Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey and we've got more of our conversation with screenwriter Lisa Holdsworth coming up. She started out life writing Emmerdale before episodes of Call the Midwife, New Tricks, All Creatures Great and Small, Beckoned. And she's done all that whilst also being chair of the Writers Guild of Great Britain. And we talk a bit about that too. If you've not heard part one of this chat, I urge you to go back and listen to that. That's our previous episode. And part two of the conversation is coming up in a moment. But before that, I just wanted to remind you of a couple of things. The first is that the second edition of The Complete Comedy Writer by Dave Cohen is out now. Go and look for that on Amazon. That's probably the best place to start. And you will find a book brimming and bristling with good advice, hacks and helpful hints to get you going and keep you going as a comedy writer. And if you're feeling like something more like an intervention, then I'm running a 90-minute pay-what-you-like webinar on Zoom on how to make 2023 go better than 2022 in terms of your writing career. My plan is to help you reframe the whole thing so that it's not this impossible burden or total pipe dream that it seems like it can be in our darker moments, and I've had plenty of those myself. So I'll be talking about how I dug myself out of the latest hole I was in. That's on Friday the 9th of December. Go to my blog to find out more, sitcomgeek.blogspot.com, sitcomgeek, singular, dot blogspot.com, and you'll find a link plus loads of advice uh, there on that blog. So that's that. Let's get back to our conversation with Lisa Holdsworth. And we've just been talking about Emmerdale. The experience sounds fantastic. And, and, and I guess that's the kind of experience that, that you know, one brings to, to writing for TV that's more than just that, that stops one being precious about one's uh, scripts and because you, you just know everything else that's going on around it. So um, I'm kind of interested then to know how you kind of graduate to writing like sort of hour, hour long shows and things from that. Cause that's, a, you know, it is a, it is a lot of time, isn't it? Now we're, I mean, I know James has written, uh, you've written some longer scripts, haven't you as well? But I mean, the, the kind of leap from the half hour to the hour or to the, you know, some yeah, two yeah. or three episodes. I mean, that, that, that must bring more uh, kind of complications from a writing point of view. You suddenly realise, particularly, I graduated onto BBC House because I went to New Tricks. Um, for anybody who doesn't remember, that was about UCOS, and I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it was for um, old pharmacopers who'd set, who were in a unit um, investigating cold cases, but it had a very comedy through line with it. So when I was there, it was James Ball and uh, Alan Armstrong and, and uh, Dennis Waterman were the cop, the old cops, and Amanda Redmond was their their boss. Um, I mean, he, what a cast! I know, it was what incredible. an unbelievable cast! I mean, James Bolam alone is an absolute national treasure. Absolutely, um, but but throw in Alan Armstrong and Dennis Waterman and Amanda Redmond, it's just like blimey! What else? You're not firing yeah. blanks with that lot, are you? No, and it, do you know what? As it, and it worked because the show we we occasionally beat the X Factor in the ratings and it, it used to be so known because it was so um I think very mainstream and very um clear in that it wanted to be an entertaining show. It used to drive us mad because the BBC did big us up at all. Um, yeah. I'd I'd a couple of times the, the then head of drama I'd see him speak at things and he'd say about what show he was proud of and then I'd just shout new tricks and he yeah. and he go, Oh yes a new tricks we're proud of new tricks like she yeah, had rate a drama show. Of course you should be proud of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so it was quite an adjustment. But 
actually the story planning skills that I'd learned in soap stood me in good stead because obviously you are running your big it's because it's a police show you're in your big investigation so that gives you a natural structure why are we uh, looking into this case why do we care what's what we're going to find out along the way mm. setting up your red herrings and then paying it off justice is brought you know is yeah. brought about but then running under that is um, your picking up continuing stories for your uh, regulars. So uh, there was a big story about James Boland's wife who, who'd been killed and, and the crook that had killed that we yeah. ran across the series. Dennis Waterman's character had um, a couple of ex-wives, um, mm. not all based on reality, and uh, some daughters, and, and they'd bring family fun into it. Amanda Redmond, um, we'd do romance stories, but then she had a... a, 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 a Problematic relationship with the mum. Uh, and Alan, Alan Armstrong, his wife, who's actually James Bolham's wife, uh, played it, played his wife. He had a history of, of mental health problems and it was about their relationship, their marine negotiating, yeah. uh, their relationship after he'd retired as a cop. So there was actually, thinking back to it, there's loads to go, but you, you run it as your big A story yeah. and then you put your, your other stuff in amongst as something to cut with. And it was a rule on the show that we only ever saw things from the POV of our far regulars. You know, yeah. I really struggled on Midsummer at first because you have people having those half conversations. Well, those, that thing happened and it must never happen again. Cut to, so, yeah. you know, just to make people suspicious, we weren't allowed to do that yeah. on New Tricks. So um, I loved it. And, and I used to, and it was a show that you used to pitch your investigation. So again, Soap had stood me in good stead for that. I'd, I'd done a lot of pitching around the table. Hmm over those three years, what if this, what if that? So I used to go and see Tom and, and pitch three ideas uh, for the what the investigation would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I'd really worked up, one that I'd done a bit of work on, and one I'd thought of on the train on the way down to London. And he always commissioned the one I'd thought about on the train down to London. It, it was like he knew. Yeah, um, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've had that sort of thing as well. Um, I, bet, I think there's something about that, you know, I think there's something about the fresh enthusiasm that you bring because you kind of you're you're sort of thinking about it as 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 you're talking about it and, yeah. and you're skilled enough you've got enough mm. that the the hard work that you put into the other ones um isn't going to pay off for those ones specifically but it, it's going to get your brain ticking over so that when yeah. you have to think of a new one it's like oh yeah and then this and then they say something and you say, yeah, that's right. And then this. And so that that's kind of, I was sort of thinking about that. Why is it always the, why is it always the, the Kevin Turvey as in fact, um, because, uh, well, the, 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 the last idea that Rick Mayle pitched before, you know, uh, uh, on the way out, spent a, a, an hour yeah. pitching loads of other things. It was just like, oh, he literally thought of this character on the, you know, at the end of the meeting, oh, Kevin Turvey. And it's like, you know, Fantastic in a way, I guess, I guess that's partly because that's that's so much more you than you think it is as that yeah. as that idea, and so that first idea is probably overworked, and it's your version of the idea you think they're looking for. Absolutely. So it just feels a bit. It just feels a bit like more of the same, and maybe the reason they've hired you is because you'll come in with a different angle and a different take, and so that second one's kind of getting there. Uh, and then the yeah. third one's just like, ah, oh, yeah, that that's that's the kind of thing we were hoping you'd come up with. Yeah. Um, and then there are two pieces of advice for new writers there. One is don't go in with the one idea. 
No. Because wait for the I know it or something like that. Then there's a very awkward cup of coffee you're having in Soho, or you can't wait to get off the Zoom meeting. Yeah. And and two is is develop the ability to think on your feet. And that's and again, I think probably the reason it was the third, the last idea that got commissioned is the pitch would be incredibly sharp because I'm like, oh, well, it's about uh, a catcher and a pet. There's a pet shop sort of thing, um, and that that would be the one they'd start asking questions. And all I think that is the best way to develop any story mm. is is if you can find somebody who goes, well, why do they do that, and what's the result of that, da da da, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Now you can either. That you know, some people fold in on themselves when they start being asked. I don't know, I need to think about it. Or you can be bold and know that actually everything's up for grabs and nothing that you say in that room is set in stone and go, oh, it's because of this and yeah. because of that and, and develop it in the room. Yeah. And I think uh, Tom Shea was a clever enough uh, producer to know that if he kept asking me questions, I'd get there in the end. I mean, what I'm learning from this conversation, and it's just reinforcing this thing, and what, and what sitcom writers can learn from uh, all these other genres is how the scene is pretty much written before you've even started it. There's very little about a scene in a, com in a, in a drama or a soap that wasn't already determined some weeks ago mm. because of you've already got the characters, you've already yeah. got the story, you've already got the, the big story arc from this season or whatever. And so by the time you're actually writing the scene it it doesn't write itself don't don't let me hear anybody say that because i've had to sit there and have someone say to me it writes itself and i just thought well i've not i've not found that microsoft wizard that just does it um that little, it's that coming flip, don't come up and go i'll do this don't worry yes exactly yeah yeah no we're not quite there yet with um automation and um and and ai um but equally i, I think maybe comedy writers focus an awful lot on being funny, characters being funny, saying funny things, and each scene is under pressure to be funny because, and in a way, it becomes an obsession because the scene isn't doesn't really earned its existence. Mm -hmm. um, so you, it, it's it's so lots of um, lots of scripts that we read um, are quite slow to get going. So the first ten pages, it's a bit slow, yeah. and then you do get something, something important happens, and then it slightly dribbles away. Uh, at the end and you just and you think there wasn't really enough story here um and actually what we're discovering is that actually a lot of characters are quite funny are p p perfectly promising if they're given a chance but there's there's just not enough planning in the story and it turns out that story planning is way harder than most people think it is including us because we've been giving lots of advice on this stuff and rather assuming people would figure it out and actually they don't. I mean, you must have read scripts like this, Lisa, have you? You know, where you just think, there's I think no it, story here. It's also very rare that I, I don't give the note, do you know what, you you could start this five pages later. Or why don't you, this is, it took me ages to get to the really exciting bit that explained what was going on and why I'm watching this. Why don't you start there? And really good writers go, Oh, yeah. And, and still to this day, I think sometimes you have to write long and, I, and someone will say to me, why don't you start on page two? And I'll, Done it again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Oh, I was going to, I was thinking that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. sometimes you are writing lots of detail and backstory and, and for your own logical brain to go, this is how we got there. But your audience doesn't care. Just like we're there. Okay, we're in this world. Let's go for it. Um, so, yeah, getting late and come out early is a cliche because it's true. Um, mm. And yes, 
and really interrogate your story. Why are they doing this? What's the outcome? Do they need a, a long, dark tea time of the soul? Do we need to see them looking at the glasses case on the table or staring, staring out um, you know, across the cliffs of Dover or whatever it is, just to give us a moment of breath before we get really into the, the last act in the full, the denouement of it. Um, so, yeah, um, don't look away from it because you cannot fix it while you're writing it. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of writers do, which is, oh, once I start writing it, things will come to me. And and actually, you've got to put the hard yards in on that horrible, crappy document. No scriptwriter likes writing in prose. No one likes writing scene breaks, de- breakdowns. Every I don't know a single writer who goes, oh, it's fantastic, I'm still writing the treatment. Oh, okay. I love this bit. <laughs> no one's saying that because the best words to a writer are, this is great, good script. Yeah. It's, a, it's the equivalent of saying, uh, look, here's this joke, right? And, and it's really funny because what's going to happen is this man's going to fall over and <laughs> because there's been an armor skin on the floor. And it's really funny, you know, and it's like it's all that tell, tell not showing thing, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, we, uh, one of the one of the uh, reasons we thought it'd be good to, to chat to you at this point is because um, a BBC Writers Room are uh, opening their annual uh, their, their annual window opening. Uh, they're calling out for comedy. I'm sure they open their windows more often than that. I'm sure it gets not it gets quite close in there. Um, the the BBC they probably don't work. Well, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this isn't even. I mean, this is um, BBC Writers Room, which is yeah. like you know. I mean, if if. BBC uh, Radio Comedy is, is like a, the, the, the tiny, uh, is the broom cupboard, uh, mm. and the, the writer's room is like the sort of second shelf down. <laughs> and the, you know, it really is a tiny thing, but they, they do fantastic. You know, they, 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 they uh, encourage a lot of new writers, but they, they, the window is open uh, till December the 7th, I think, for uh, comedy drama scripts. And uh, this is one of those things that, you know, we've talked about a lot. And I know I've talked to you about it, Lisa, as well over the years about, you know, what uh, what do we mean by comedy drama? And um, it is I've still I've spent ages and I've written loads of uh, stuff about it. And I'm still not sure what the answer is. But how, how would you define comedy drama? It it is a slippery little sucker, this one, because obviously the cliche is it's it's drama. It's drama that's not very dramatic or it's comedy that's not very funny. And I don't think that's true. I actually think um, it's probably something where, the, the, again, the emotional stakes are high. You care about those characters. And when comedy, you know, if, if when Basil is beating his mini with um, a branch, you, you don't care if the cow's getting scratched or whether he's going to lose the money or all the rest of it. It's just very funny. Um, whereas... In a comedy drama, you will know that if that hotel fails, his marriage will break up. Talk about faulty towers here, mm. um, et cetera, et cetera. And it'll, it will mean something. So I, I would say the difference is in a sitcom, um, you know that Sybil and Basil should never have been together in the first place. And you'd be quite glad if they broke up. In a comedy drama, you care about them as a couple and you hope they solve their problems. Or uh, Basil's in love with someone else and you hope that he leaves a horrible symbol for her or vice versa. So it is it is putting some reality into it, some real emotional stakes for me. That's what a good comedy drama is. Hmm. But what you, you also are creating characters. And, and do you know what? I've, I always think this is very a, not, a real northern idiom and, and, and the death of 
those comedy dramas from the north, they'll come back again. Everything comes back again. Mm. Um, but people saying Peter. funny, exactly saying funny things to each other because they're naturally funny, and that's how you tell someone you love them is to be funny with them. I, I tell this, and I, I still can't believe this happens. I wrote a, a pilot for uh, a major broadcaster, um, and it was set in the north, and it was about a, a group of older women who have been friends for years. Lots of dramatic stuff happened to them, but they, they've known each other for years. So I had them talking to each other in, for want of a better word, it's a horrible word, banter. So they were taking the mick out of each other, calling each other names, um, highlighting each other's faults, because that's how my mum talks to her friends, how I talk to my friends. The more you love someone, the more you call them out, the more you insult them. So it went to the commissioners who were very London and very middle class. And the note came back, we don't understand why this has been written in such a bitter tone. <laughs> and it was for a couple of days, well, bitter, you're lucky. You're lucky. But then I realised it was because these women were talking like people do to each other. Yeah. And it was it was such an extraordinarily eye-opening moment. And I do wonder if that's why comedy drama uh, disappeared for a while, because there were lots of very, very cut-glass accents at the top of the commissioning tree. Mm. We're missing that stuff. And people who had established themselves as having that um, sort of style, so Kay Mellor, I think, is the perfect example. You know, and I, I, I won't lie, Kay's been a massive influence on it. I would say uh, Victoria Wood, Dinner Ladies is the other one. You watch that and they are taking the piss out of each other through the entire show and it's glorious, funny, warm. Mm. Taskmaster, I'd say, is a modern-day example of it, how they speak to each other, the competition, the piss-taking, all the rest of it done with such warmth and love. And that feels like it's missing a bit from comedy drama at the moment. I hope. It's going to come back because I don't. I'm bored of elves. I'm bored of serial killers. I love my genre stuff as much as the next person, but I want a bit of humanity now, and I don't think we've ever needed it more. Yeah, bring back the Biderbeck affair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. box apparently. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, these these um, again, I, people that I grew up with as absolute heroes were, you know, people like Alan Plater and Colin Welland, um, and you know, the 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 idea, and and again, this was a sort of the regional ITV model was, you know, it, it was just not so compartmentalised. It was so here are writers who can write comedy and they can write drama as well. And uh, and in fact, Alan Plater did a fantastic series with uh, Les Dawson, I remember. Um, which was uh, really, you know, kind of a lot of pathos, but, you know, very funny as well, as you might imagine. And uh, uh, there is also that that thing which hopefully, I've I've been sort of hoping that the the people saying we want more comedy drama might kind of bring back some of that kind of, well, it doesn't have to just be a sitcom. It doesn't just have to be line of duty, you know, whatever. It can be... Can, can we can, can we bring the sort of light and shade? There's a, there's a, I remember you thing you said to me about how um, 
you know that you've never been to a you've never been to a a, a funeral that didn't end with with, with people laughing and and, um, and and yeah you've been to a wedding that ends in a fight and stuff. I, I it's, yeah, <laughs> I've, been, I've been to a funeral that ended in a pub quiz. To be quite honest. Um, there's, a, there's a Billy Connolly line that I, or I, it's a, I don't think it's his line, but he says that he says that uh, a, a Glasgow funeral is more fun than an Edinburgh wedding, which I think is a <laughs> fantastic <laughs> one. But I mean, I think there is some, that that's that maybe that's what you need to define yeah. comedy drama, really, isn't it? Is that enough? there's been a problem in the drama department as well? So obviously, your experience in the comedy department, my experience has been the drama way when you pitch something where the stakes are people's emotions, people's lives, that kind of thing. It doesn't take, well, we love this world, doesn't take long before someone says, but we need an investigation. Can, can it start with a dead body? Basically mm. is what they're saying. And and yeah. I, I've for a long time gave up pitching things that were romantic comedies or yeah. family sagas or things like that because people would like them and then go, but could we put a murder in it? Yeah, and, it, and the frustration—it it just broke my heart every single time. I didn't care about these characters, but what you want, want one of them in a skip at the opening in the opening scene. Yeah, and I think that comes from a lack of comedy. Uh, sorry, a lack of confidence um, in in the characters and in the story. And it's interesting that a show that does seem to have more what you're talking about. I would say, which I've not seen, is Normal People by Sally Rooney. Yeah, why does that show exist? Because it was a novel. Yeah. Um, so it's already established. A, no, no, people like this. This is fine. This doesn't need an investigation or, or whatever it is. Have, I, I don't think I've completely misread uh, what that show is, so having not read it. But I just got the sense of it's called Normal People. And so if you if you pitched a show that was... It's just about people in their lives. It would go, yeah, <laughs> but... I mean, it's a, I, I loved it. I rinsed through it during lockdown, and it's you know, it's a teenage romance. And and one of my most retweeted tweets was I said, if you just just a bit of advice, if you just watch normal people, don't look for your college sweetheart on on Facebook because that's what it's about. It's about who you fall in love with the yeah. first time and how it breaks your heart, and then you go your separate ways. And it's God, it is a gorgeous bit of television. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, yeah, that's stuff. But the, it's those watchwords that have come into TV commissioning, like. What's the story engine? So what what are we seeing every week? So so an investigation or um, you know medical stuff, all that kind yeah. of thing, is a really good story engine. People love investigations. People love medical drama, and and I put my hands up and say I'm just as guilty. But I would say that 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 fear of well, what happens? What happens next? What happens next? What happens next? Yeah. Is is not believing in the writer that I don't yeah. know. Well, something exciting is going to happen. I think summer because do you know what? Emmerdale's been running fifty years and they've not run out of story yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's fine. This yeah. is we're just doing six of these, so it's going yeah. to be okay. And then we'll do another six, and then we'll do another six, and then we'll do another six. Yeah, but I guess the caveat to that is so people thinking about sending in a comedy drama to the BBC Writers Room, there's a temptation to just fall in love with the characters and the dialogue, and have um, and have simply people talking um, for. 28 pages oh, yeah. or and it's like no <laughs> you, you do they need to be talking about something and they need to have hopes and fears about concrete things and you do need that story so i think yeah there's that wistfulness uh is like that that a show isn't wistfulness on yeah. its own is it so for 10 years I, i've judged student drama films i helped judge them for the rts in yorkshire and for 10 years i have seen 
a lot of films about living in a student house and the funny stuff that happens there. And I, I, if, if there are any students who are writing that, it's not as funny as you think. Sorry to be done on fresh meat. Please don't do it again. Because it is just, hey, we sit around and we drink vodka and uh, our, our flat's messy and we're arguing over who orders the pizza. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I've seen yeah. 10 years ago. I don't need to do it again. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you do need to give your characters central. Um, and this is um, John York's uh, exercises on the BBC Writers' Room. Um, website. It's a really useful thing when you're kicking off a project. Ten questions to ask about your story, which is whose story is it? What do they want? What do they need? And they should be two different things. What yeah. they think they want is the girl. What they need to do is get over her and see the beautiful girl in the next room. All those kind of things. And so um, he doesn't got... mention he doesn't mention comedy at all in his uh, book Into the Woods, but I would recommend every comedy writer read Into the Woods because it's the the the, the uh, overlap I think in comedy and uh, drama is that you know every episode has to have a story and the story has to have a beginning and a middle and an end and uh, you know there 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 has to be there has to be some drama in there so yeah. it is it and and and. That book into the woods, I think, is a is a great, uh, it's a really good uh, way to, to to learn about telling stories. And yeah. although, as I say, it's it's about drama, you can apply yeah. most of it, most of it to comedy. Yeah, not um, least because I mean, we read hundreds of scripts a year ago uh, for our hat trick uh, competition, and I'm trying to think of the number of scripts where we could have said, "There's too much drama in this," as in, "There's too much happening." There, there may have been two out of several hundred. Um, not funny enough is obviously a problem, but actually you can sort of make most things funnier. But yeah. is, is, is stuff happening that characters care about, you know, and what emotionally invested stuff, isn't it? Yeah. That's, I mean, and that for me, sitting down and watching TV, the difference between, I've just rinsed through um, The Bastard Son and The Devil Himself, um, in, in a weekend, I was I, I was like, oh, this is good. Am I equally... Oh, no, I finished it. Um, <laughs> and, I'm done. I hope yeah. there's a second series. Yeah. Um, and it's the difference with that because I cared about every single... Even the, good, the goodies and the baddies in that mm. show. Everybody had very clear um, goals and reasons why they're doing things. Good people did bad things for good reasons. Bad people did good things for bad reasons. Mm. And, and all, everything permutation in amongst. That's the difference between I'm two episodes into this very, very expensive elf drama and I'm out. Yeah. I yeah. don't give a monkeys about who do I care about? Who Who's going to fall in love? Who yeah. am I rooting for? Who do I hate? Don't know. Just oh, they're all sailing to the West in a thousand years time. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please. We should we should probably wrap things up there. We've already yeah. uh, taken well, a lot of your time. We have. I, I, I just want one thing that I did want to mention. I mentioned at the start that you've been uh, the, the chair of the Writers Guild for the last six years, and I mean it's been a it's been a torrid time really for <laughs> for writers with COVID and cuts and, and everything else. But you know you you have you have steered the ship, and I mean uh, membership has increased and lots of other things. But but just really interested to to hear your thoughts about the kind of change that you've seen that have taken place for writers writers yeah. starting out and professional writers uh since you since you were when was it you became chair that's 2017 uh, was it uh, i was deputy chair for so um yeah. this is my last year and we do a four-year term uh, okay. as chair so 
uh, I'd have to do the maths to work out what year I got voted in. So before anybody heard the words COVID, I got voted in as, as chair. Um, and then COVID came back. And, and that seemed like such an existential threat to almost every area um, of writing in the open days. I mean, the soaps closed down, which is, I mean, that's like the ravens leaving the tower. Um, and, and had a significant yeah. effect on those writers. It, it, we're pretty used to a regular income, knowing what I'm doing. It, it, that was very upsetting, very um, disturbing. And when I talk about this, I also talk about Holby and Casualty. Obviously, Holby's been cancelled since then. Uh, and Casualty looks like it might be in danger. I hope it's not. Um, Theatre, um, live comedy performance, etc. What... On the positive side, the adaptability of our industry is extraordinary. The things that moved online, comedians who found a new audience on social media doing incredibly clever satire and comedy. I think about Larry and Paul, uh, Michael Spicer, people like that. Just extraordinary. But the reality is that the industry is tightening up and shrinking for writers and the opportunities to get in there because the budgets are so enormous that the, the trust that is put into newer writers is disappearing. Um, I think it's beholden on writers who have uh, breached the walls and are doing all right to make sure they're putting a hand back and bringing up the new writers. Mm. So I'm, I'm very happy to say on, on my show, Dan Show, we've, we've, we've brought on some very uh, inexperienced writers. It's not easy. It's harder work, and they have to be looked after, and you have to do the job right to look after them. But well, that's what we need to do now. Um, and, yes, we're very lucky that the Writers Guild um, is, a, is very much a different organisation than when I first started as an activist, and that's down to the staff who are extraordinary, but also due to... Um, Writers who engage with it on all our committees. Dave, you used to used to be obviously the chair of our comedy committee and did a great job there. So I'm, I'm so proud of the organisation. I'm so proud of the reaction we had to, to COVID and, and this ongoing situation. Um, and I think it's reflected in the fact that our membership has gone up. We were braced. We were ready because um, it is a luxury for some people having trade union membership, but people have kept their membership going and we've looked after people who were really struggling as well. So I would say to any member who is think, sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pay next year, then do get in touch with us and we can talk you through and work something out for you because we'd rather keep you as a member than take your money and, and have you not uh, put your gas fire on, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Talking of which, I've got an email saying your your uh, membership is up for renewal. So I need literally this afternoon. I'm going to do that. Um, so uh, yeah, handy reminder. So handy very, reminder. Very fruitful for you to to do this interview, Lisa. For that point alone. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah. One, one member. Every member counts. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So do you feel generally uh, on a scale of one to ten, optimism, pessimism? One, one, um, uh, I, I feel optimistic. I, I think we are in a period of change. Um, for television, obviously, the streamers are coming over the hill like it's the Wild West and going, hey, would you like 50p in a bag of gobstoppers for your script and we'll own it forever and ever? And obviously, we're the front line of that. Mm. Uh, I was in Denmark a, a few weeks ago uh, for an international conference of writers and, and nearly every country's going, they just want it all. And every country's saying, absolutely not you have got to make writing a sustainable career because that's how we get great work. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's we are in a period of flux. We've got the, the people who consider themselves disruptors trying to disrupt things. But the reality is 
that if it was that easy to be a writer, the producers would be doing it. It's not easy. And you need those skilled, geeky, annoying, whingy people who are writers to do it. And so that'll never change. Yeah. Uh, but we do have to be on our guard. So things like the privatisation of Channel 4, we still don't know whether that's ongoing or it's whether it's being kicked into the uh, long grass by this chaotic government. That needs to be kept an eye on. Yeah. How the BBC is being treated in this country, public service broadcasting in general, um, and also making sure that you are be- that you are being paid. Do not be ashamed to say, uh, if I'm writing this for you, what am I getting paid? And if they say nothing, come to the Guild and we'll have a word with them. <laughs> that's a great way in which to finish this um podcast thanks so much uh, go and have a word with lisa go and have a word with the guild and uh they'll have a go uh but uh, also but do join uh even if you're not even if you're not represented and you've not had a professional gig then there are ways of joining and mm. um and yeah because being, it, being I, part yeah. of a collective is just uh, when you're in, in such an individual thing like a writer you mm. know just knowing there are other people who've got your back is just a, it's, it's just a great thing really yeah great thanks so much lisa i'm a huge you, fan lisa. I can't believe how many new tricks you've done because I've watched about 40 of those. Uh, <laughs> loved it. And, you know, all creatures great and small and everything. Thanks so much for doing that and for being on our podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, if you want to hear us chat even more to Lisa, including a conversation about show running, uh, which Lisa has found herself now doing, why not join us on Patreon, where you'll also be supporting us and the only podcast out there dishing out free advice on writing sitcoms. Plus, you get loads of extra audio content, early access to episodes, including next week's episode about writer's block before we get into our Christmas episode the week after. And you also get access to our private Facebook group and Discord channel as well. So don't forget, my webinar is on the 9th of December. Why not go to sitcomgeek.blogspot.com for more information, including how to book and have a look for Dave's Complete Comedy Writer, which is out now. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you next time.